0: Hear the word of the Lord, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years, which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet. For the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him in prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that your spirit would be sent to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, Father, that your spirit would be in and through all that we do in the preaching and in the hearing of the word this morning we love you in jesus name amen all right so in 2022 in may of 2022 if someone was to open the book of the bible daniel and turn to chapter 9 they would very likely skip ahead to verse 24 Uh, daniel chapter 9 the end of daniel chapter 9 Uh, Verses 24, there's four verses at the end. 24, 25, 26, 27 are some of the most discussed, studied books of the entire Old Testament. They reference the 70 weeks and there's lots of discussion about all the Messiah, Antichrist, Tribulation, End Times, Connection to Revelation, Ezekiel, all this stuff that's going on. Daniel chapter nine is easily one of, if not the most, Contested, debated, studied verses in the Old Testament. But remember that the original text has no chapters and verses. That was added in our English translations to help us process these 66 books of the Bible. But what's interesting, though, is for Daniel, the Spirit of God has given us clear divisions. Chapter 7, we're told, in the first year of Belshazzar. Chapter 8, in the third year of the reign of Belshazzar. Chapter 9, in the first year of Darius. Chapter 10, in the third year. On and on it goes. And so these divisions really do clearly represent the way God has structured the book of Daniel. And so I would draw your attention to the fact that Daniel has 27 verses. Daniel chapter nine has 27 verses. Four of them are dedicated to the 70 weeks. That means that there are 23 other verses in this chapter. Before you even get to that part, you get the angel Gabriel sending, God sending through the angel Gabriel to Daniel, the answer to his prayer. So we can't even begin to poke our heads into the end of chapter nine until we spend time looking at the prayer, the reasons behind the prayer, what's going on with the prayer of Daniel. And so uh, Lord willing today, we will just look at the general setting of the prayer, the historical setting, the biblical setting of the prayer of Daniel next week. Again, next Lord's day, if God is gracious, we'll gather And study the details of the prayer itself Before we move on So with that said Daniel chapter 9 verse 1 says this In the first year of Darius The son of uh, Ahasuerus Of Median descent Who was made king over the kingdom Of the Chaldeans Right. Now This verse Chapter 9 verse 1 Begins With some important Critical Details that we cannot and must not skip or miss. There's a historical setting that's painted. What is going on in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1? Whose first year is it? Darius. Scriptures tell us, chapter 9, verse 1, the setting of the prayer is the first year. Of King Darius Now I want to say something again To remind ourselves Because the names of these kings I do believe are important But important for ways that are Maybe uh, maybe a little less um, dogmatic uh, Every historical evaluation Of the book of Daniel Has either proven the book of Daniel true Or has left us to say We don't have enough details to know So we're just going to trust the word in terms of archaeological of evidence. One of the examples of that was King Belshazzar, who's mentioned in Daniel and wasn't known for 1,800 years of modern, since the time of Christ. There was no recordings. Or all archaeology up until the mid-1800s had no reference to Belshazzar. And so critics of the Bible said, "Ha, ah, Daniel's wrong, there's no Belshazzar. Well, then they find scrolls that have the name Belshazzar. They go, whoops, I guess there was a Belshazzar. I guess the Bible was right all along. So we're not worried if some of the details are difficult for us to follow. We trust that God recorded them the way that they needed to be recorded. They are true, and if our understanding of them is weird, it's weird. We also remember that the name Darius is a name for kings. It's also a title for kings. The name means Lord. So in Persian, you could call someone Darius, much like, for example, popes take on different names. They have a name and then they take on a new name when they become an authority. Or, you know, uh, Pharaoh Ramses III, they take a name, there's names that they take. Ahasuerus is a name that many Persian kings take. Darius is oftentimes a title and a name. And so uh, we are known, we are told some things that are going on in Babylon and Persia that place Daniel chapter nine in a very critical role, right? So the end, of chap- the end of Daniel chapter five says that Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. This Darius the Mede is almost certainly Cyrus the Persian, referencing to the same Persian king, uh, the king who took over, defeated Babylon, uh, the night that Belshazzar died, uh, the night of the handwriting on the wall that we read in Daniel. And uh, that's where this story picks up. Darius the Mede, because it's the king of the Medo-Persian empire, he's king and lord. Uh, later, Darius the Great will call himself king of kings. You have Persian kings that call themselves the king of kings, like King Xerxes. You have Greek kings that call themselves king of kings, uh, like Antiochus Epiphanes, the god manifest. So this is a theme that we're going to see in the Medo-Persian Empire. So that's historical context. When we read Daniel chapter 9, he's telling us that Daniel chapter 9 happens in the first year of darius the mead well what is the first story the first chapter that digs into the detail of darius what chapter in daniel it's daniel chapter six and what happens in daniel chapter six the lion's den The lion's den. The story of Daniel in the lion's den is under King Darius. It's the first story that we hear about him. So, in this story of Daniel in the lion's den, think about what is going on. Why is Daniel tossed into the lion's den? For what? His prayer life. His prayer life, praying in the window. Daniel chapter nine is all about a prayer that Daniel prayed right after Darius took over. This is a picture of the prayer life of Daniel, the kind of prayer life that led him to get tossed into the lion's den. That's how important this Daniel chapter nine is. It's absolutely amazing and fantastic. What's he doing? He's praying three times a day in his window. It is is his regular habit. In fact, Daniel chapter six, verse 10 tells us that the moment that Darius put out, put his his signet ring on the exhortation that he was tricked into doing, that only prayers to Darius can be made for 30 days. The scriptures tell us that Daniel heard the announcement and then walked to the window to pray as is his habit. If it's not your habit, you're not going to be disciplined enough to pray in that moment when it's illegal to pray. You've got to have that habit. And he goes to the window and he prays. I love it. But listen to what it tells us about his prayer in chapter 6 verse 10. After he knew the document was signed, he entered his house. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So as a reflection of his heart devoted to the Lord. Remember that this is Daniel, whose book is all about the sovereignty of God. It's all about the greatness of God, whose God really is God. Our God is king Christ is king, not some petty little tyrant king. This is this is the Daniel who, when he was a young man, likely still a teenager, defied King Nebuchadnezzar who took him into exile to defy the king's table because he was not going to be defiled while he was in Babylonian exile. He was going to be devoted to his Lord regardless, no matter what. And so he is someone who prays. He prays fervently. He prays, Consistently. He's always praying. And what is it that he does when we're told that he's praying and going to get tossed into the lion's den? He is praying and giving thanks to his God. I want you to think about that. He is willing to go to the window to give thanks to his God, to be tossed, to be fed to the lions because of that prayer. So we're going to focus. Today on thankfulness. Right, the, the prayer of a the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. As James 5 tells us, Daniel's a righteous man and he has fervent prayer. And so we're going to look at the role of being thankful in prayer this morning. And that's going to set, the, stu- set the, the table for us studying the rest of Daniel's prayer as we do so next week. So let's just think about it, all right? Romans 1. What's happening in Romans chapter 1 to help us look at the role of being thankful? Not the very first word of Romans chapter 1, which is Paul. Thank you, son. we jumping down to 18 and following. In Romans chapter 1, this is the description of a wicked and perverse generation. He's laying the foundation that all are accountable before God. Why? Because we're told that all know God. Why? Because God made himself evident to them because he made it evident within them. It's planted in them. They have the knowledge of God. So in their rebellion against God, there are two traits that are emphasized. Number one, they do not honor him as God. And number two, they don't give Thanks. They don't give thanks to God. Keep that in your mind. And if you could, please turn to Psalm 95. Psalm chapter 95 The role of giving thanks. Don't worry, we'll make sure to read it all. Psalm 95. 5 Powerful praise to the Lord is Psalm 95. Beautiful psalm. In fact, this psalm is quoted in our New Testament. As you look at Psalm 95 verse 8, do not harden your hearts as they did in the wilderness. It's going to be this referencing from Hebrews and it's a part of our proclamation. It's in fact, it's it's one of the main things that I love to proclaim when we're open air preaching and evangelizing. Do not harden your hearts today. Why? That's the call to all people in in light of God. Do not harden your heart. Today is the day of God's favor. You know, you think of Corinthians six and and, and this exhortation. Don't harden your hearts when you hear the gospel. Today is the day of salvation. That concept. Part of that concept comes from Psalm 95. But listen to how Psalm 95 starts. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. And I always think of the song, Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and give him praise, and give him praise. Thanksgiving, it's what's driving God's people to worship him. And so the rebellious against him in Romans 1 doesn't want to give God thanks. It's that critical and that key to what we are doing. So the essential nature of thanksgiving is everywhere, both in the Old and the New Testament. And specifically To dig into the details. To show how it's a New Testament exhortation. Philippians. Has this to say to us. In the book of Philippians. Chapter 4. Starting at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Interesting note to keep track of. Because we were studying 1 Peter. And one of the. Exhortations from 1 Peter was because the Lord is near, because the day of the Lord is is coming, because Jesus will judge, let your gentle spirit, let your humbleness, let your not reviling behavior be your defense. Paul references the same thing. It's almost like the same spirit is at work in all of these men. Verse 6, though, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and Petitions, present your requests to God. No, that's not what it says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, by prayer and supplication, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what's the reward? The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It says, present it with thanksgiving in the context of being anxious. This isn't like, oh, you're just kind of worried. about. It. No, when you're anxious, look how distressed Daniel is. Daniel's distressed where he's sick for weeks. He doesn't want to get out of bed after the revelations that he's received. This is how heavy it is upon him. And yet what's his regular routine? He gets out of bed and he prays prayers of thanksgiving and request to his God. Three times a day. Three times a day. That is for us too, right? Now think about it. Think about now this picture that's being made. And back to Romans 1. What is the rebellious atheist say in his heart? He's a fool that says there is no God and he's not going to give God thanks. What is the wicked, evolutionary, secular worldview humanism? What do they do? They want you to give thanks. They just don't want you to give thanks to God. You know what poster is up in every single classroom right next to a rainbow? Be thankful. They want you to be thankful. Read pick up a self-help self-help book. Modern psychology book and it talks about habits for a health, habits for a happy life and healthy living. What do they tell you? Be a thankful person. These are God-hating, sin-loving, rebellious people who say, be thankful. Why? They want you to be thankful to not God because being thankful is so important to the human condition. Satan wants to take what God has given us that's good and make it about a rebellious heart. We are to be thankful to God for what he's done. So the world comes in and says, be thankful to not God. When we pray without a thankful heart, there's this oppression that's on us. When we pray with a thankful heart to something that's not God, it's rebellious and stores up the wrath of God for our condemnation. Smiling Joel as Brother Vody calls him. Down the road in Texas, smiling Joel Osteen who he says my wife is just telling me he was just listening to him. She was just listening to him that he's considers him to be one of the most not Joel. She was listening to Vodi talk about Joel Osteen, right? Smiling Joel? Wasn't it Vodie you said? Wasn't that you? I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> oh, you had said that Vody said Joel Osteen was one of the most dangerous. I said that. Oh, that was you. Somebody said that. I'd heard it. You talked about Votie too. So anyway, you said it, smiling Joel. And it's true, when you look him up, you know what he, look up the word thankful and Joel in a web search. You know what it says? A whole bunch. He tells you to be thankful, always be thankful. He's got post after post after post that says always be thankful. But he's wicked. He's pointing you to be thankful, not to God. And so it stores up wrath rather than Granting us the blessing and the peace from God. So the setting of the prayer of Daniel is a man who wants to get so clear about his devotion to the Lord that he's going to get tossed into the lion's den as a testimony to his giving thanks to no other God but God. He could have prayed quietly in his door. He chose not to much like shadrach meshach and abednego their babylonian names when they stood rather than bending their knee and pretending to pray to yahweh in a crowd they weren't going to do that they were going to stand and be clear the setting of daniel 9 is a thankful prayer a heart filled with thanksgiving and it's important to remember because in it it's a prayer of confession It's a prayer of judgment and it's a prayer that even after he gets the answer, it leaves him in turmoil because he has to deal with all of this truth and the turmoil and the anxiety. Think about this. As you have eyes open to the truth of God and it weighs heavy on your soul, the Lord takes it and shifts it as it's heavy. On your soul, he wants to take your gaze away from the trial and onto him with a thankful heart that you may be at peace because he's going to keep revealing to you the truth. And we live in heavy days and as he reveals to us the truth, we need a thankful heart. And so this is how I would ask us to end. Tyler, today. This is how I would like us to end. And I would ask that we take some moments and we offer up some prayers of thanksgiving to our God. And then I will read the, the prayer that Daniel prays. Um, and then we'll end with that. We'll have to wait till next week to hear the answer to the prayer. Or you could read it for yourself because it's not secret. It's been revealed to us. So I ask please to practice openly giving thanks to God. It's giving thanks to God. It's not asking God to do something for you. It's not praying that God does something for somebody else. Simply put, it's giving thanks to God for something that the creator and sustainer of the universe has done for you. And we'll see how this has played out more. Um, There's some examples of it as we look at Daniel chapter nine, more in detail. So uh, I'm gonna start and offer up one um, phrase of prayer thanksgiving to the lord and then we'll just take a couple moments and i just ask you all to um to give god a psalms would say shout of praise you don't have to shout it you can just speak it if you want so uh, father i thank you that your uh, spirit has been sent to us to point us to christ Thank you, Father, that each day I wake up, I wake up to you, Heavenly Father, to your presence, and thank you for starting out each day in this manner. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you are the sustainer of our faith and that you are always holding all things together according to the counsel of your Thank you, Father, that you've cast our sins as far and away as east is from the west. Thank you, Lord, that for those blessings that we can see, thank you for the protection that you've offered us and um, kept us from evil that we don't even know about. I want to thank you for your omnipresence. You're just always, always with us. God for your mystery in that when we don't know things about you, it's okay because everything that you want us to know about you. Know. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit, for the fellowship of the saints, for the love that we have for the brethren, those things we have in common by your spirit. Thank you that you are also a God here. Thank you that Christ goes before us and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. Thank you for the gift of faith. Hear the word of the Lord, the prayer of Daniel starting in chapter nine, verse four. Daniel says, "Um, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acting wickedly and rebelled even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is this day. To the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away, and all the countries to which you have driven them, Because of their unfaithful deeds, which they have committed against you. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings, which he set before us through his servants, the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us along with the oath, which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Capital H, him. Thus, he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring on us great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord, our God, by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord, our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds, which he has done, but we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourselves as it is this day. We have sinned, we have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to the supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and heart. Open our eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merit of our own. But on account of your great compassion. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O oh my God, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. Amen. And we thank you, Lord, for this word, for this truth, and we pray that your Spirit would grant us to have a thankful heart and that we walk forward. Um, singing praise to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.